Okay, you guys heard that, right? Yeah, sounds like it was coming from right behind you. Not funny. Guys, get it together. We're trying to do a podcast here. Hey, booze. Welcome back to another episode of the Boo Busters podcast. Today, we are going to be discussing the ghosts of Mississippi's McRaven House. Spooks. I just exerted myself way too much filming like 30 TikToks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she was. She was over there filming and looked around. She had a different staffing going. <laughs> <laughs> she also just had like six chocolates. <laughs> oh. She's having a shrug. <laughs> and I haven't pooped out the coffees yet. Oh, no. <laughs> I just let it ferment. Ew. Oh. Oh, man. How's your week going, Bobby Boo? It's been a shitty week. Today wasn't too bad, though. I haven't pooped since Sunday. Oh, no. Still going, and I took a stool softener this morning. Nothing. Nothing's working. You got to give it a day or two to kick in. I'm ready now. <laughs> <laughs> I got the shit beat on me by a two and a half year old yesterday. Yeah, that was a fun time, yeah. wasn't it? Punched me right in the fucking face. And you can't do it back. Literally, my anger <laughs> issues could never. I was so done. That's probably a sign that I should not be a parent because if my <laughs> child ever hit me like that, whoo wee. <laughs> but today was a good day. Actually, I can't, I have to rescind that because there's been a time or two that Abigail has smacked the shit out of me when they used to live with us and I just let her do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got to grab their hand mid swing and then they are so shook that you did that that they're like, my coordination is not that good. <laughs> How's your guys' week? It's been okay. I finished my pillowcase that I was working on today, and that was fun. It's really cute. It is Thank very you. cute. Did you put your head on it? Is it soft? No, I didn't put my head on it. I just went, I put it like it was a doggy. <laughs> we also just posted an impulse TikTok to the Boo Busters account. So go check it out. Yeah, Bobby, go watch it right now. Live okay. reaction. I just went through all of Emmy's TikToks again. And I thought I was in trouble because Why? the only thing I saw when she sent it was oh, where to go. Oh my good. god, she fucking something. And then I was like, oh god. <laughs> what what's wrong? <laughs> oh. But it was the one I sent about the girl like trying to make a tea bar and she was spilling the powder everywhere and it was really stressing oh. me out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Boo Busters. <laughs> They're so cute. <laughs> like it. I love it. I loved it. Thanks. Oh, thanks. You're so sweet. <laughs> and before we get into our topic, can we discuss the fucking fiasco of the Scream popcorn buckets? No, because I'm so pissed off. That's not the only fiasco I've had today. <laughs> If we do not get one of those fucking buckets, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, so I was looking online more, and I was I was convinced they were going to be more expensive than what they were, but they were still like sixty dollars. But at give it time, Cinemark, honey, give it time. They're fifteen dollars. Yeah, Wait, that's it. Damn, they're really upselling that, aren't they? Yeah, and I'm just like Jesus Christ, but I really want one. For a fucking popcorn bucket. Like, I really want it, but... Yeah. I won't pay for a second. Yeah. Like, I will only buy yeah, straight from up the from the movie theater. Like, fucking ridiculous. 
Tell us about but, your fiasco, Bob. Uh, but the popcorn bucket is really cool, though. Like, it is. I'm it's really, like, like the actual. Been... It's the shape of the ghost face head, and it's really fucking cool. And I want yeah. it really bad. I'm like really, really into it. So, any listeners that go to Cinemark and want to get us popcorn bucket, <laughs> get us two. a popcorn bucket. Actually, get us three. We all need one. <laughs> well, actually, no. Emily and I can share one. <laughs> That's a little excessive, okay. Bob. <laughs> so, I'm greedy. <laughs> okay, so my fiasco today. So there I was at work trying to poop, and I was scrolling through TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, too much. And I was like, "Oh, they released a new clip for Scream Six. Like, I'm gonna watch it." No, someone fucking leaked the ending to the movie. Now I know Assholes. the kill- I like I know the killers, and I'm so fucking upset. Like the movie's not even fucking out yet. It's like a month away still. Yeah, and like there's no like denying it because like they are taking off their ghost face mask. So I'm like, it's yeah. like that's it's just unless something's gonna be twisty. Unless they changed it. Or like yeah, I'm multiple. hoping. I'm hoping they learned from previous ones. Like I know there was a problem yeah. with, like Scream Two being leaked. Yeah, Scream 2, there was so many rewrites for that I just feel like they should have multiple endings anyway. Yeah. But, But yeah, I'm pissed. I felt like they were doing so good, too, with, like, avoiding the spoiler stuff. Because last year, the movie, like, it was, like, completely spoiled before it came out. I got spoiled, Just from the trailers that they did and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people being assholes. But, um... But I don't know the motive... So yeah. I'm still okay-ish, but I'm still annoyed. Like, why do people got to do that? Yeah, like, don't be an asshole. And I guess it was, Emily said that it was someone that actually, like, worked on the movie or something. That's horrible. That did it. So they're going to get like, fired. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I hope they go to jail. Our pre-topic. Emmy's not going to be able to answer this one. Okay. Because she's in the potty right now having an emergency. I'll do two answers. Okay. I'll answer for her. <laughs> the question is what rom-com or other non-horror movie do you think would make a good horror film okay hear me out how to lose a guy in 10 days how would they do that though like give me the give me the, the premise. okay so they'd have to change it up a little bit okay he cheated so they oh, oh, oh no. no wait i'm changing oh, my no. answer i'm <laughs> oh, changing no. my answer my answer is changed it? John Tucker must die. Oh, yes. That, ooh, Sophia Bush is in that movie? Yep. She's the killer. That's a great <laughs> cast in general. Yeah, it is. They've and got they Sophia go, Bush, Ariel Kebble. They, they just fu- fucking go ham on this guy. Britney Snow's in that movie, too, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good, a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'm going to say that one. John Tucker must die. I haven't watched that in so long. It's so good. You should watch it. We should watch it. Moving in. Yes. Moving <laughs> I was going to say Mean Girls. <gasps> oh. Because here's my premise. So Katie moves to wherever she moved to. I don't know what that fucking school is called. And she becomes obsessed. She becomes obsessed with Janice Ian. <gasps> oh. And Janice hates the plastics, right? So mm-hmm. Katie's like, yeah, I'm going to kill all the plastics and then anyone else who gets in her way. So it's like a little slasher. Oh, shit. I'm into I it. I think that would be fun. I'm into it. Yes. I like oh. it. I mean, might be able to answer. Here she comes. What rom-com or other non-horror movie do you think would make a good horror film? 
Bobby said John Tucker must die. I said mean girls. Those are both good ones. Um, let's see. Uh, rom com. I can't even think of any rom coms right now. I'm so flustered right <laughs> now. Um, the Phantom of the Opera. That's a romantic. You could movie. you could elevate. You that. could do it. Yeah, you could do it. I'll yeah, he could one. actually fucking. Well, he already does. He does murder people. people. Yeah. Um, let me change my answer then. <laughs> I was gonna say that one's pushing the envelope a little bit. I feel like I don't watch. Yeah, we don't. We're not really rom com people. What about? Mm-hmm. What about The Grinch? No, they already turned that into a horror movie though. Santa Claus. The Santa Claus. Like yeah. with Tim Allen. With Tim Allen, Ooh. and he becomes Santa, but okay. he kills people. Okay. No, that's a stretch too. Um, all I can think of is like, uh, I mean, go with Rudolph. With like Noah Spark, what's? Oh, um, Noah. What's what the name? fuck is Nicholas Sparks, Sparks. books? Like mm-hmm. any of those? I don't really. Oh, the lucky one. Yeah, he turns into a stalker. Ooh. I mean, he, well, is, he is kind of a stalker. He does like stalk yeah. her. But he like, could stalk he me. Ends up being like a stalker serial but killer. But Zac Efron being a stalker. Yeah, I would fuck it. I wouldn't. I mind. mean, when he played Ted Bundy, I was amused. <laughs> I very much liked that because and that's he the was problem the one with casting hot known actors to play those roles. <laughs> Did you see that? I saw that article that Penn Badgley was like yeah, bashing Netflix for making people attracted to serial killers. Um, so somebody interviewed him because the new season of you, I guess, just came out and somebody interviewed him and Mark was like, what do you think of all of like the fan edits that are like glorifying Joe and you and like romanticizing him and stuff? And they're like, okay, you're falling in love with a fictional character and he's designed to make you fall in love with him. So you like, you don't have anything out against him, but it's on Netflix shoulders for making people fall in love with Ted Bundy and, and Jeffrey, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer and stuff, because they're not likeable people. They're not fictionalized. And they're, serial yeah. They're spinning it in a way that makes them not likeable, mm. but like you like them because they make them attractive. In like those you shows. emphasize with them yeah. or something yeah. or whatever. Well, not even that you emphasize with them. It's they use hot actors to play them. So you're naturally drawn to them. And then you become fixated and obsessed. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's my take. Let's get into the McRaven house, shall we, booze? Yeah. The original part of the McRaven house was built by a man named Andrew Glass in 1797. The original purpose was to serve a stopping point for pioneers. It only contained a kitchen in one room above it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No potty. Well, I guess back then it oh, was yeah. outside. Outside potty. The section of the house is now referred to as pioneer section. So it was probably just like a hearth and then stairs yeah. outside. Like kind of like the one little tiny house in Starboard. A man named Sheriff Stephen Howard bought the home in 1863 for him and his wife, and he added on the middle dining room and a bedroom above it. In 1849, a man named John Bob purchased the house and built the rest of it in the Greek revival style. That's interesting for Mississippi. Mm -hmm. 
I forget I've been to Mississippi. Such a <laughs> random state to been to. During the 1863 siege of Vicksburg during the Civil War, the house was used as a field hospital for Confederate soldiers. In 1864, John caught a group of drunk Union soldiers picking flowers from his garden and ordered them to leave the property. They left, but they vowed to come back and burn the house down. John reported the incident to the federal commander of Vicksburg, who dismissively said he would reprimand them. However, when John returned home, there were 25 Union troops there waiting for him. They took him to Stout's Bayou, which was 100 yards from the McRaven's house, and fatally shot him in the back and in the face. I did not see that coming. <laughs> that was a twist of events. They weren't fucking around. <laughs> His widow sold the home to a realtor in 1869 and moved away. I don't blame her. Damn. We're not going to talk about that in the face? Yeah. And in the back. That's wild. If I had known this house was there, I would have made dad go there instead of the battlefield. I'm shook. In 1882, the home was sold to William Murray and his wife, Ellen. They raised four daughters and three sons in the home. William died in 1911. Ellen in 1921. Their daughter Ida died in 1946. And one of their sons died in 1950. All within the house. That's wild. Mm -hmm. William's daughters, Annie and Ella, were both unmarried and lived with each other in the house with no contact with the outside world other than their doctor. Were they disabled? (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) You know, here's the thing. I was thinking about this. Sorry, boots to side track. I was thinking about this in the gym earlier. Well, when I was leaving the gym, I was like, I could realistically set a goal for myself and be like, I am going to have a boyfriend by summer. And I could fulfill that. You like, could do it. Very easily can women get um, men. Very easily. It's just we don't get the right men, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Annie and Ella. Anna and Elsa who? Anna and Elsa Dupe. Anna and Elsa Dupe. Lara did not dupe. Ellen died at the age of 81 in 1960. Annie sold the house and moved into a nursing home shortly after. Oh. Damn, that's going to be my fate with you. Yep. The house was in complete shambles at this point. The upper story was completely covered in vines, and the sisters had been chopping up old antique furniture for firewood. That's really sad, actually. Yeah, it is. I hate seeing historic homes, like, fall into shambles like that. Mm -hmm. Like, get it to me for free, and I will fix it. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know how I would fix it or pay for it. Like, imagine goals. O.E. Bradway bought the home in 1960, and in 1961, after he had completed some restorations on the home, it was opened up to the public. In 1979, the home was placed on the National Register of Historic Places, and later that year, it was sold again to a couple named Charles and Sandra Harvey, who did more renovations on the home, restoring it to its former glory. Good for them. Imagine how expensive that was. Mm-hmm. In 1984, McRaven was sold to Leyland French, and he did some more renovations on the home. He was the first person since the Murrays to actually reside in the home. In 2007, French put the home up for sale at an asking price of $1.75 million. Damn. In 2015, Stephen and Kendra Reed bought the McRaven and reopened it for both historical and ghost tours. Okay, but what necessarily made this a 
like a historical landmark? Was it just the fact that that guy died by Union soldiers there? Because it was used by Civil War for hospital, I guess. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So, getting into the spooky stuff. At least five people have died in the McRaven house, although due to it being used as a field hospital during the Civil War, it is speculated that the number is far more than that. There are claims of ghostly activity all throughout the house, but there are a few ghosts who are said to be the most active. The first spirit is a young girl named Mary Elizabeth Howard. At one point, she was the lady of the house, as the Empire section was built by her husband, Sheriff Stephen Howard. She died upstairs in the middle bedroom of the home during childbirth at just 15 years of age in 1836. Oh. She was a baby herself. Her spirit is said to flick the lights in the room on and off, and she can be seen on the flying wing staircase and in the dining room. And if someone handles her wedding shawl that is still in the house, people claim that it emits heat or seemingly jumps out of their hands. Oh, shit. Yeah. The spirit of John Bob is said to remain in the home. He was shot on the property, like we mentioned earlier, by the Union troops. I'm still shook by that. Poor dude. Andrew Glass's spirit is said to remain in the home as well. The room he resided in is said to be in nearly the same state now as it was 200 years ago. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. When Leyland French was the owner, he claimed that at one point he saw the ghost of former owner William Murray standing on the staircase. After realizing that he was seeing a spirit, he locked himself in one of the rooms and called the priests to come bless the home. Me. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Um, lastly, the spirits of Annie and Ella Murray are also said to remain there to this day. That's a hot spot. A hot spot for some hot ghosts. Ooh, ooh. McRaven House has a couple moments in pop culture. Starting 1963, the house was featured in the July issue of National Geographic magazine, in which the house was referred to as the time capsule of the South due to the minimal changes that had been made to it at this point. In a 2018 special titled Hauntings of Vicksburg, McRaven Mansion, the Ghost Adventures team conducted an investigation of the house. While there, they experienced a plethora of activity, including feelings of aggression and extreme rage, equipment malfunctions, figures being captured on the SLS camera, orbs, a scream coming from the spirit box, unexplained noises, various instances of physical contact, and an EVP stating, I come to die. Ooh. Oh. Um, the urge to be using a spirit box lately has been pretty up there, just so you know. Do it. Do it! (laughs) Lastly, in 2022, YouTubers Sam and Colby visited the house for their channel. Mm Mm-hmm. How fascinating. Okay. So this is going to be somewhat of a longer boot crew, and also it has a trigger warning it discusses slewer slide slash unaliving yourself. Um, so if you're sensitive to those things, I just wouldn't listen to this next part, unfortunately. So, Bobby, I'm going to pose the title as a question to you. Does the Wizard of Oz include a munchkin suicide? What? One of the most ubiquitous of film legends holds that a munchkin hanged himself on camera during the filming of The Wizard of Oz. The so-called munchkin suicide scene in the 1934 MGM film The Wizard of Oz 
occurs at the very end of the Tin Woodman sequence as Dorothy, the Scarecrow, and the Tin Woodsman head down on the road on their way to the Emerald City. This sequence begins with Dorothy and the Scarecrow trying to pick fruit from the talking apple trees, encompasses their discovery of the rest of Tin Man, their encounter with the Wicked Witch of the West, who tries to set the Scarecrow on fire, and ends with the trio heading off in search of the wizard. I just recently was crashing in at my best friend's house, and we decided to watch The Wizard of Oz. Now, rumor has it that a small munchkin can be spotted in the back. When I saw this, I began to flip out. I started running around my best friend's house, and I hit the wall. I then got the courage to watch the movie again. I am so positive that I saw a munchkin in the background who committed suicide because he was in love. My mom and I watched the documentary of the behind the scenes of The Wizard of Oz. We saw the footage closely, and they even showed us before shots of the person. My mom told me to watch the movie closely and look in the woods and the trees for a person wearing black moving around strangely when Dorothy, the Scarecrow, and the Tin Man were walking down the yellow brick road, which I did, and I clearly saw a person hanging. Are you serious? No one, Munchkin or otherwise, died on set during the filming of this cinematic classic, much less in a cut that was used in the finished version of the movie. To give the indoor set used in the Oz sequence a more outdoor feel, several birds of various sizes were borrowed from the Los Angeles Zoo and allowed to roam the set. A peacock, for example, can be seen wandering around just outside the Tin Woodman's shack while Dorothy and the Scarecrow attempt to revive him with oil. At the very end of the sequence, as the three main characters move down the road and away from the camera, one of the larger birds, said to have been an emu, but more probably a crane, Standing in the back of the set, moves around and spreads its wing. No munchkin, no hanging, just a big bird. The unusual movement in the background of the scene described above was noticed years ago, but it's often attributed to a stagehand accidentally being caught on the set after cameras started rolling, or more spectacular, a stagehand's falling out of the prop tree into the scene. With the advent of home video, viewing audiences were able to rewind and replay the scene in question, viewed in slow motion, and look at individual frames in the sequence all on smaller screens and less distinct than those of the theaters. And imaginations ran wild. The change in focus of the rumor from the hapless stagehand to a suicidal munchkin, driven to despair over his unrequited love for a female munchkin, seems to have coincided with the heavy promotion and special video release of The Wizard of Oz in celebration of its 50th anniversary in 1989. Someone made up the story of the diminutive actor suffering the pangs of unrequited love for a female little person, decided to end it all right there on the set, and soon everyone was eager to share this special little film secret with others. Since grossly exaggerated tales of the Munchkin lechery and drunken misbehavior on Oz set had been circulating for years, primarily spread by Judy Garland herself in television talk show appearances, the wild suicide story had some seeming background plausibility to it. Other versions of the rumor combined elements of both explanations, such as the claim that strange figure was actually a saint chant hanging himself. The logistics of this alleged hanging defy all crudility. First of all, the forest scenes in The Wizard of Oz were filmed before the Munchkin land scenes, and thus none of the Munchkin actors would have been yet present at MGM. And whether one believes that this figure on the film is a Munchkin or a stagehand, it is simply impossible that a human being could have fallen onto set actively being used for filming and not one of the dozens of people present, actors, directors, cameramen, sound technicians, light operators, noticed and reacted to the occurrence. That's a good point. Yeah. The tragic incident would also have been overlooked by all of the directors, editors, film cutters, musicians, and other people who worked on the film in post-production as well. 
that anyone could believe a scene featuring a real suicide would have been left intact in a classic film for over 50 years is simply incredible. Interesting. I remember when that like first started speculating. I thought it was real. I thought it was real too. And then I, I believe I saw the crane here, like the yeah. crane explanation like years later. Oh, I may have to watch this now. You, you just need to you can just Google, you can just the, Google scene. the scene. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, perfect. Google it right now. That doesn't, doesn't look, like it a look crane. Suspicious. Doesn't it look suspicious? Yeah. It definitely that does doesn't... look does look suspicious, but I like that yeah. that person pointed out. The it literally could not it's be not a suicide yeah. unless literally everyone just brushed under the rug and didn't give a fuck. Which I mean, I wouldn't put it past Hollywood, but yeah, that's crazy. Know. Yeah, it is. So, final thoughts on the McRaven house. What do you think of it? I think it's plausible that it could be haunted. I do too. I think it's fascinating. Any, I would go anything Civil War related. Oh yeah, I think it's haunted. I oh. think John Bob is there haunting the place. John Bob, Mary Elizabeth Howard, poor girl. She wasn't even having a good time when she died. None of them were. That's true. Oof. Yeah. All right. Next week, we're talking about the Crescent Hotel. The Croissant? The Croissant? No, the Crescent. <laughs> like Crescent Moon. <laughs> I could go for a good croissant. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. What are your thoughts on today's topic? Did we miss anything? We would love to hear from you, so please DM us. Don't forget to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at boo.busters.podcast. Also, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. While you're at it, tell a friend. Tell them to hop on the Boo Crew train. (laughs) Choo-choo. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Peace out.